Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. was designed for externally focused churches seeking to reach more people in their communities. With Reach, you're giving your congregation the tools needed to tell their friends about your church on social media and help people in need all around the world, all at the same time. Every weekend, each check-in or review on social media results in a donation to a kingdom-building cause, allowing your community to be on mission both locally and globally with a touch of a button. Reach. Nope. Scratch that. <laughs> Ready to put your hey social there, media? Hey there, Pete. Have a little problem with your head there? Ooga, ooga. That's Hold enough, Kedge. <laughs> Come on. I got to get Fire Marshal <laughs> Bill now. Please do not scrub this out. Just Hold keep it no, like this. No, no, I got to. I, I clapped. I, I did the clap. Oh, wait, wait, here we go. It doesn't matter. People can see behind the scenes. It adds to our level of authenticity. Ooga, <laughs> ooga. Ready he made me inhale Arnold Palmer <laughs> wait, wait. right there. Ready to put your social media strategy in the hands of your congregation? Visit Cosley.com and sign up using the prod. Afternoon podcast every time. <sighs> Visit Cosley.com and sign up using the promo code podcast. No pressure, no contracts, and we'll even waive our $99 onboarding fee. That's reach by Cosley.com. Cosley.com. Promo code podcast. You know, I've locked my kids outside with hot tar. Should I be concerned? <laughs> Lines that have never been spoken before in the history of the English language. I was just thinking, before we get started here, should I take a little peek out the window? All I'm saying is, 
The Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need. Yes, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, the sound effects are back. What? Afraid to Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. That's all I'm saying. Okay, you ready? You ready for this? I am. Afraid to leave a one or two star review. You are not. You will be. You will be. (laughs) This is what I should have put at the beginning of the commercial. Welcome, you are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by... It used to be, well, I'm not even going to say their name, but now it's Cosley. Yeah, that that guy was from Fiverr. I know. You know, there's a fine line between Grover and Yoda. On that you, one, If you is. get a little animated as Yoda, you, you slip into Grover territory. I love you only know you, this man. if you try to do it. How about that one? I love you, man. <laughs> that was you. That's actually a soundbite of you and I. We used to hang out at islands together. I was like, well, I got to take Pete home now, everybody. And for those of you who have often said to me, Pete, until I heard that whole clip, I had no idea what the what was from. Well, here's the whole clip. I'm a Methodist. We believe that the Lord is our Savior, and we remember him by going to church and praising him every Sunday. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. We believe all the same things that you believe, but we go to church on Saturdays. What? I'm we just haven't saying, done that in a long time. We used to what each other all the time. What? I know. We haven't done that in a long time. Hey, getting back to Cosley, just so you guys know, it's really cool the way it works. This is how it starts out. If your people check in at your church, well, you know how people do. Social media goes nuts for Christians on Sunday mornings. It's our day. And uh, what you do is if your people click in and check in at your church plant, it automatically, when you sign up for Cosley, not only does it kind of like advertise the church, it also drops a donation towards a cause every time they check in. So um, it's a big way to get your people, A, to check in. They're advertising your church or kind of handling your social media. But it's called Cosley because it is going to automatically donate money towards a good cause. And the cool thing about Cosley is there's no monthly, uh, there's no contract, there's no, uh, you're signed in for six month commitment. You can try them. If you don't like them, you can drop them. That's right. So welcome, Church Planner, to the Church Planner podcast. And I know right now you're thinking, what does this have to do with church planning? Peyton, what does this have to do with church planning? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. I say, whoa. Whoa, whoa, what it is we're doing. This has nothing to do with church planning. Welcome to the Church Planner Podcast. Pete and I screw around for about 30 minutes, and then we get into the good stuff on the last 30 minutes. And by the way, we're usually more brilliant when we record in the in the morning. We're morning people. And uh, we're recording in the afternoon, so can't promise anything is going to be brilliant today. In fact, pretty much, let's just say this podcast is going to suck. Like just right out the gate. That way you don't have high expectations. Like what is today's topic? Turn it off now. Why don't you tell them what today's topic is? Huh? Why don't you tell them what today's topic is? So today's topic is going to be how to maintain your own spiritual walk uh, as you're planning a church. So we don't want you church planner to neglect your own walk 
with Jesus. And that can be easier said than done as a leader. Sometimes you get into actually working for Jesus instead of walking with Jesus. And that, that shouldn't be. So we're going to talk about that today. And so since we're not at that point, right now we got a little uh, a little thing we like to call... Well, let me tell you something, brother. Now that it's that part of the show where we talk smack, what you gonna do when the Church Planner Podcast runs wild on you? That one's for you, Barry. And I miss that guy. I know. Where's he at nowadays? Is he still in Wales? Yeah, he is. When they get, when he and Melissa get Hogan fiber guy. When when he and Melissa get married, where are they living? Are they going back to Wales? Are they? They're going to Wales. And believe it or not, no joke now. Um, he will tell you it's because of the Bible inner circle that when he joined the Bible inner circle, he actually learned some skills to pay the bills and he's making, I asked him the other day, I talked with him and I asked him, he goes, man, I'm making money. I've never made money like this before. So he goes, I actually have a career here now. <laughs> uh, I'm raising the price on that thing. Heck <laughs> yeah, man. Tell me, Hey. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's awesome, man. I'm really encouraged by that because uh, so Refuge San Pedro is losing one of its best leaders. Yeah, I I wondered, I wondered where they were going to be living. I didn't know if it was going to be in the states or in uh, in Wales. So it's going to be Wales, and I am so jealous. Yeah, go back there in a heartbeat. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, before we get into uh, our topic, tell me. Do we have uh, any good smack talk to cover? No, I don't. I mean, normally I do. But uh, other than hanging out with you, talking about your kids barfing, I mean, not really that much happened in my life this week. I did read an article about a guy. I got to tell everyone about that, though, the barfing. All right. So here's the the deal, guys. I got a a six-year-old. My my son just turned six a couple weeks back. And a two-year-old. And, uh, and some would say that I am a child myself. So my wife has three kids and my son on Wednesday starts to get sick, gets sick to the point he can't hold anything down. And we're like, okay, we got to take him to the urgent care. So we take him to urgent care. We walk in urgent care and they literally just have us go straight back to a room, like no checking in anything. The doctor literally walks right in and just says, you need to take him to the ER because they need to do blood work and they need to get an IV in him because he was pale. He was out of it. Right. So they're like, Hey, you know, you can go to Miller's children's hospital. You can go to chalk. You know, there's obviously the ER right here. Cause we were at the urgent care right by Los Alamitos hospital, I guess. And, um, so we, we walk out and we're like, oh, all right, where are we going to take him? I pretty much hate Miller's Children's Hospital in Long Beach. Um, that's where my son was in the NICU when he was first born. Chalk Hospital, such a better hospital. I mean, I have, I have literally written stories about, uh, in my newsletter about how good the customer service is at Chalk as opposed to Long Beach Memorial. I mean, it's like night and day. Well, as we're trying to decide, there's a lady there with a little golf cart. She's like, oh, do you guys need a ride over to the uh, emergency room? I, you know, just sit down. I'll take you right over. So we're like, okay. So we sit down. They take us over to the Los Alamitos ER. And we're there at 3.30. They, anybody who's been to the ER knows it's horrible. It, we, 
we apparently were not a big enough deal to them. Like my son's, you know, was not a big enough deal because they're like making us sit out there and wait and wait and wait. We didn't see a doctor until, I don't know, 6, 630, something like that. Finally, at 10 o'clock, we're thinking they're going to send us home. They give Luke a little bit of water. He can't hold that down. So they're like, okay, we need to take him to a uh, a children's hospital, either Miller's or Chalk. And I'm like, well, I'm going to drive him there. They're like, well, normally we would take him by transport. I'm like, there is no way I am paying you to drive my son to the hospital when I have a car and can drive him myself. I'm like, that's ridiculous. There is nothing you're going to do for him that I can't do for him while we're driving him. So they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, this is already going to cost me an arm and a leg because I lost my good insurance thanks to Obamacare, which is supposed to be the greatest thing in the world. Whatever. Get, don't get me on that rant. So um, we decide, though, we're not going to take him to the hospital. We decide we're going to kind of like, you know, see how things go. And if he throws up again, we're taking him to the, the hospital. Because basically the the fear that it was appendicitis had pretty much passed. They'd done an ultrasound. They were like, ah, we think everything's fine there. We think it's viral. So we're like, all right. Now, really, the only thing we're worried about is dehydration, right? So we go home. I don't think he slept at all that night. And we slept very little ourselves. And, uh, yeah, you were, you were chipper. I remember texting you. You, you were, you were, you were in a happy mood. Dude, you talking about with the hospital? Oh, man. <laughs> I, the lady comes in, like, we still haven't seen the doctor yet. And she's like, oh, I'm here from the financial department and I need you to sign this. And so I, I sign the top one. She goes, Oh, uh, there's more pages for you to sign. I go, you know what? I'll sign your stuff after my son sees the doctor. But until then, I don't care about your papers that need to be signed. <laughs> she goes, okay, I'll tell the doctor that. I'm like, that's right. Go, go on. You know, I was just like, you're ridiculous. Make sure you get your money. But uh, hey, you know what? Uh, seeing a doctor? Well, you know, we're not going to do that yet. So I'm supposed to drive to San Diego because I got a conference there Friday and Saturday that I'm attending. So I'm supposed to drive down there Thursday. So Thursday morning, we wake up. Luke finally starts to go to sleep. He's better, but not good, right? So he still really can't hold anything down. And I basically asked Jamie, I go, do you want me to stay or can I go? So she finally about 7 o'clock that night, she's like, I think you can go. So I'm like, all right, sweet, dude. I think the second she said it, you know, it was like it was like uh, the Roadrunner, right? You just saw dust. I just was taken off, man. I'm like getting in the car as quickly as I can before she changes her mind. So I get in the car, drive down to San Diego, get to the hotel, great hotel, go to sleep, wake up the next morning, and then I talk to my wife. And my wife goes, uh, yeah, um, during the night, I heard uh, someone yell out, Mommy, I need you. So I went running down to Luke's room, but he's fully asleep. So then I think, well, maybe it's Mackenzie. So I look in Mackenzie's room and I don't hear anything, don't see anything. So I just go back to bed. And when I got up this morning and I looked in Mackenzie's room, <laughs> she'd slept in her vomit. So apparently Mackenzie got sick and threw up on herself, right? And so I'm like thanking my lucky stars that I'm nowhere near this, what I am referring to as the house of death. 
there is a virus. We did not put the blood over our door. The angel of death has landed on my house. So I'm like, well, are you going to need me to come home or what? No, no, go ahead and, you know, enjoy your conference. And I'm like, okay, you know, and I'm trying to be the good husband. Uh, call me if you need anything. But in the head, my head, I'm thinking, do I turn off my cell phone so she can't get through? <laughs> you know, like, you're such a bad human being, dude. I'm a horrible human being because it gets worse. So then five o'clock rolls around. All um, right. So what we will not be discussing today is how to take care of your family as a church planner. Pete, Pete needs to learn about that walking with Jesus I stuff. So what said on multiple occasions for you today, my friend, I have said on multiple occasions, I am not the person that you want to look to as a role model for pretty much anything in life. <laughs> so five o'clock rolls around. I haven't heard from Jamie and I am going no news. Good news. So you and I were going to meet Friday night because I had texted you earlier. I'm like, hey, you want to get together tonight? You know, and you're like, hey, I'm having tri-tip or something like that. So I'm like, I'm going over to Peyton's house. That's all I know. <laughs> so I get in my car. Now, it's it's San Diego traffic. San Diego traffic is some of the worst in the state of California. It's Friday, 5 p.m. San Diego traffic. Which yeah, it's brutal. It, you just don't get on the freeway then. You, you literally... If you got to be somewhere, it's like, hey, I'm not leaving till seven. You just don't do it. So I'm on my way to Peyton's house, which is literally 20 miles from the hotel. You would think not a big deal, except it's San Diego traffic. I'm halfway there, and that's when the wife calls. My wife calls me as she she tells me, I've just thrown up. I'm on the floor in the bathroom. I had to yell at Luke and make him bring me the phone so I could call someone. <laughs> I need you to come home. And I'm not kidding you. The thought running through my head is Luke sick. Mackenzie sick. You're on the floor in the bathroom sick. Why in the world am I going home? I think I need to get a couple extra nights here at the hotel in San Diego. And there's no way I'm going home. Right. That's the thought running through my head. Cause the image I've got is literally of a soldier going into battle knowing there's a hundred percent chance he's going to die under yeah. no circumstances. He coming out of this thing alive. That's the thought that I got running through my head as I get this call. So, you know, I do what every good husband says and, and or is supposed to do. And I say, okay, I'm coming home, but uh, I got to go to Peyton's first. <laughs> so, so I went you to your house. A good front as a husband. I got to admit, I know your deepest thoughts. And I know that it's a front, but you put up a good front. I'm your, being your wife, honest. Your wife better not ever listen to this podcast. I'm be, I am I think I told her that. <laughs> I'm being honest of what's going through my head. I didn't tell her at the time. I told her when I came home what was going through my head. <laughs> but, but yeah, I was like, okay, this is, you know, why am I going home? So I go to Peyton's. We hang out because it's literally like for me to turn around and go back to the hotel to get all of my stuff so I could then drive home, it would have taken so long because of traffic. Like it's, it's literally that bad. You don't understand it unless you've been in California traffic, just how bad it is. So it was like, I'm committed. I have to go to Peyton's. So I went there. You and I talked. We actually uh, had some uh, great conversation, um, on what we need to do for some of the next steps with Buy the Winter Circle, which you can find all about at buythewintercircle.com, where I will not be giving you husband advice or any advice on your family whatsoever. And, uh, and then I finally, you know, I leave there, go back to the hotel, get all my stuff, head back up. I, I didn't get home till like 10 o'clock at night, which is what she was expecting. And, um, 
And yeah, so anyway, turns out, uh, you know, she's better by the next day. Um, Mackenzie's today, she's starting to be better. Luke was back at school today. Um, and so far, I haven't caught it yet. So I don't know. Good stuff, man. You're karate man. That's I, why. I, I was thinking there's a 100% chance <clears throat> I'm going down. So I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, man, I've been sick. So I chewed my body up. I'm getting old. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. In the last like 10 days, man, I've been. Here, there, and everywhere. I've traveled an insane amount this summer and uh, really since January, um, if you throw my mom's stuff in there. But in the last like 10 days, man, I've been in Phoenix and D.C. and everywhere, and I'm pretty chewed up. Yeah. And uh, I literally went from speaking on stage at Exponential to literally like, my brother was there. He had the car ready and he hopped in. He dropped me off at the airport. I got through security and hopped on a plane and came home, man. But I, I have been chewed up and I, I get this thing where my body hurts, like my nerve. If I get overtired, my nerves go nuts and I get pain all through my body. Doctor says it's, uh, what they call fibromyalgia, but I have a spinal condition. So I told him, no, it's not that. It's, it's, it's a spinal thing that I got. And he's like, oh, okay, you know. And uh, so, man, I'm, I'm, I'm chewed up. I told my wife, either I'm sick or I'm just, I'm just super burnt right now. So. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's how we're bringing you today's podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm actually feeling a little bit better today. A little bit, a little bit better, but I've not been good the last few days. And we do have a new soundbite that is specific to Peyton Jones. I'm not only the heckler president, I'm also a client. That's all I'm saying. Hey, and you got to be of a certain age to actually get what that even is. You know, he just sold the company in 2006. So, I mean, you don't really? have to be that old to understand what that is. I hope a bald guy bought it. I don't know, but he sold it for like $60 million. Wow. I made my money the old-fashioned way. I got run over by Alexis. That's all Never I'm fails to get a laugh from Andrew if I quote that. Oh, dude. It, to me, it's the funniest sign. Oh, by the way, boys and girls. All right. So I've got, uh, I've got three assistants, uh, that, that work with me. My, uh, my numeral uno, my, my right hand man, Travis Sinks. Uh, Travis is located in Florida. He had to uh, evacuate for, for Irma. And they finally just made it back. And this morning, I get a text message that uh, his wife's water broke and they're going into labor. To which my reply was, that sounds like a you problem, not a me problem. You have work to get done today. <laughs> I am the best boss ever, right? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, he's, he's, I, I told him, I go, you know, I'll give you the day off because you know what the name of his son is, right? It's Peyton Peter Jones. No, it's... I mean, uh, Sinks. It's Peter Sinks. It is not Peter Sinks. It is. Dang it. Okay, it, is it Peter named, Peyton Sinks? He named his son after me. No, he, he denies that, but now... No, but that's Peyton what it is. is we all name. know that's what it is. And you know how I know this? No one in their right mind names their kid Peter. No one likes the name Peter. No one with the name Peter likes it. Why do you think I go by Pete? Because we don't like Peter. What's his middle name? I don't know. I have no idea. Pete Mitchell Jones. <laughs> Why do I keep saying Jones? This is the afternoon podcast. I, this is a sinks. Sinks. You did not marry Travis. I'm just saying, man. He's he, Because he named his kid after me, I gave him the day off. I'm like, that's cool. I'll give you some time off. 
Very cool, man. Well, uh, hey, should we, uh, should we get ourselves into this topic today? All right. All right. Here we go. Uh, uh, for those of you who have missed it, Doc, what do you have to say? Great Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Followed up by a quick little, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Oh man. I feel like we're like Pinocchio. Like we're a real boy again. You know, the funny thing is, is some of our newer listeners are going to have no idea about these sound effects. They'll be like, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't like the millennials don't even know who Doc Brown is. That's the scary part. What's great though is it like, I feel, how long has it been since we've had these? Far has it been too like long. a year? Far too long. I actually I mean, forgot. We ran on these for like years, man. Before we actually get into the today's topic, I forgot we actually have another uh, sponsor to play. Hi, I'm Scott Blair, church planner. If you are anything like I used to be, you probably woke up feeling alone and somewhat isolated today, wondering to yourself, why isn't there just one place that I can go to discuss the things I really care about, like bear attacks, Sir Mix-a-Lot, Game of Thrones, and even Christology? Well, I'm here to tell you such a place now exists. This is not make-believe. I would not joke about a thing like this. Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones have created such a place. No, no, no. It's not heaven. They didn't create that. But it's the next best thing, the Bivo Ministry Inner Circle. Which you can find all about at BivoInnerCircle.com. That, you know what? That's what the show should be about today. How do you stay rooted in the word? You join Bivo Inner Circle and we help you out. Yeah, boy. That's all I'm saying. Yep. Yep. We, uh, we, we, we could go on and talk about the Bible in a circle. We love it. We live it. And, uh, we are constantly, uh, coaching guys on that. So it's good stuff. But okay. Well, guys, let's get into our topic, which is how do you maintain your walk with Jesus? Um, as a church planner, you know, it, it, it seems stupid to say this, but, um, I remember when I first went into ministry, I was super excited to go full time. And my youth pastor, who had been a mentor to me, he kind of looked a little bit concerned. Um, but I could tell he was also happy. He was proud. But he, he always gave sage counsel, sage advice. And he just said, hey, Peyton. And he, he was quoting this from someone else, but it was, in your work for the Lord, do not forget the Lord of the work. Mm. And, and that stuck with me. It was like one of those things where it hits you right between the eyes. And, um, you know, when Paul told the 12 about his charge to go and reach the Gentiles and, you know, he was going to go become an apostle and they laid hands on him and commissioned him and sent him out. He says, when I told the 12, they said to me, only do not forget the poor, the very thing which I was eager to do. And I felt like that was something that was really personal to me was the very thing I was eager to do was not to forget Jesus. And my desire when I started was to lift up Christ. If I could lift up Christ and at that time I was just preaching, you know, I mean, I was, I went into ministry. I was preaching to, to junior high and high school kids. Um, all I wanted was for them to just come away loving Jesus. And 
at the end of uh, those years, I, I, I think that a lot of those kids got that. I preached the grace and love of God until I don't think you could preach it anymore. Um, I wanted those kids to know that um, they were not having to earn God's love. They weren't impressing Jesus. You know, I wanted them to be impressed with him. And, um, and so over the years, you know, there, there were dangers and there were times where my love for him waxed cold and indifferent. And there were even times and seasons I would wonder, you know, has a piece of me been broken? You know, I would go through times where it was like I was in the wilderness and I felt like, like David said, the heavens are brass and, um, you know, I can't, I, I can't even pray, can't pray my way out of a paper bag right now. Um, and, and those were tough. And, um, sometimes there were different reasons for that. You know, there were, there were times where something wouldn't be right in my life and I'd have to, 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 to say, seek, you know, search me out, O Lord, and see if there's any unclean way within me because it's a relationship. You know, if you got something between you and your wife, sometimes you got to make right and repent. You know, if I was harboring unforgiveness or if I wasn't treating my, my wife, right? You know, the Bible says your, your prayers are hindered. And there were just times where my appetite spiritually was, was not what it should be. Um, you know, uh, just like your diet, sometimes you, you, you crave a bunch of pizza and potato chips when you ought to be eating apples and peanut butter. And, uh, and so it was that kind of deal. And so, uh, like you, like everybody, you know, I've had the ups and downs and, um, lived to tell the tale, but, uh, but, you know, it, it, it just there were always different twists and turns in my walk with God. And sometimes I would I would hit a real low point and I, I'll talk about the high points, but sometimes I'd hit a low point and and I would feel as if the Lord were encouraging me in a weird way, like lean into this, lean into this time, understand that so many of the people that you were leading are feeling like this right now. They feel hopeless. They feel lost. They feel they don't know where to start, you know, on the way back to me. And, and these are things that, that I think as church planters, we need to be aware of. We need to, you know, we can't ignore the fact that, that, um, ministry becoming a job instead of becoming an outworking of your relationship with Christ. This is an occupational hazard. You can end up just working for Jesus and not letting Jesus work through you. You can end up just going to work instead of walking with God deeply. Because when you walk with God deeply, a lot of the work becomes done for you. A lot of stuff starts to flow out of you. Things become effortless. Words that you say have an edge or an impact. That, that they don't be simply because you're walking in the spirit. And, um, so I want to talk about that today and, and how over the years I've, I've maintained my walk, what I've done at times to recapture, uh, the path when it, I'm lost in the woods thinking, man, I lost something somewhere. I, I, I can't find the path anymore. And, uh, yeah. So any, any thoughts before we launch into my, um, I don't see, I don't see this being a monologue today. Um, I hope it's not a monologue. I, I definitely don't feel rant coming on. Not salty. Do, do I get to say something now? Yeah. I was just setting the stage for you. Go, Pete. Well, <clears throat> all I have to say to that is, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Nah. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Any any thoughts on that? No, no. That's really no. All I think uh, I I think that's one of the things though that's a struggle, and it doesn't even it doesn't even matter if you're in ministry or not, right? It's it's always the struggle yeah. keeping the. Uh, how did you word it? The uh, not the work of the Lord, but the Lord of the work. You know, keeping yeah. focused on on God. It's it's always the struggle. It's definitely the struggle for me in my life, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. And I think at times, you know, you you go through seasons where you're just so tight with God, and then you have those other times where Paul says, you know, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh. Um, to humble me, to buffet me. And that word buffet means like to box a child's ears. It's humiliating. Um, it hurts. It, it, it's not pleasant. And, and, and Paul had the thorn in the flesh, whatever you think it was. And, um, and he just says, you know, I, I, before that, I've been given these great visions and to keep me from being puffed up beyond measure, I was given a thorn in my flesh. And so Paul's struggling. He knows it at this time where, you know, he, he, he knows he's not where he needs to be. And he's praying, God, take this from me, this thorn in my flesh. I mean, could have been pain, could have been his lack of eyesight. Maybe he couldn't read. We don't know. But, um, God says, no, you know, my, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And then he says, I will boast in my weakness that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So there's this game where there's this pride that Paul's in danger of. And I, I think at times, like for me, I've had a near-life experience. I mean, a near, near-death near experience. I've, I've had a round trip to heaven. And a lot of people are like, no, you didn't, or whatever. But I know what happened to me. And I basically... Before you drop that one out there, for our new listeners, tell them what happened. I was on the operating table and I, I coded, I reacted to the medicine. It, it, it shut my breathing down, which stopped my heart. And for 20 minutes, I was gone. And when I came out of it, um, there's a book, I mean, uh, not a book, a, uh, an article on Christianity Today called My Near Life Experience that I wrote about it. Um, award-winning article, I might add, Pete. Um, but it, anyways, it's called My Near Life Experience. And I, I describe it in detail. I don't really talk about it in detail because it's, it's a weird thing to talk about. But, um, but what I can say is that when that happened, um, I knew like when I woke up, I, I knew I was like, I said, what, what, what happened? And they go, Oh, you, you came out of surgery. And I said, no, I said, you guys lost me. And their eyes got big as saucers. Like crap. How does he know? <laughs> well, there was a crash cart right there, you know, and I, I could see stuff had been used anyways, but I knew, I knew before my eyes were open when I was coming back, um, when they were bringing me back, I remember just screaming out in my head, no, you know, like, I don't want to come back. And, uh, you know, the, uh, I gotta be careful cause I'll start crying if I, if I talk about it, but the, um, change the subject, change the subject, you'll make me feel awkward. Change the Cry to man, cry to man, baseball, baseball. Um, but, but what I can say is up to that point, um, I, I had been struggling a little bit and I had felt like, you know, kind of like the righteous brothers, like I lost that loving feeling. And, 
I was in a little bit of a wilderness, and I, I remember, you know, I was church planning. I mean, I had had some rad experiences. I'd felt God restore me, but things hadn't quite. There was still a lot of brokenness and pain and unforgiveness in my heart, mm. and um, and and that stuff. It was almost like the dam was stopped up, and I'll never forget Andrea coming the next day. Like she didn't know, and she didn't come for for like she came. I came out of the surgery. It was an all day surgery. I came out in the afternoon and Andrew was like, Hey, I'll, uh, I'll come the next morning because they said that you won't be able to talk, you know, blah, blah, blah. That, you know, I probably won't be able to see you because of visiting hours. So she goes, I'll just come first thing in the morning. So she shows up at like 6 a.m. with donuts, which in Britain is like a huge feat. She shows up. She got Canadian donuts in a box in Britain. It was kind of cool, special occasion. And she goes, I got donuts. And I, and my response to her was, I died. <laughs> really? I, I never heard that part of the story. I never tell that part of the story. And I tell her I died. And, and she's looking at me like she got this big grin on her face with this box of donuts. And I just start crying and I just start bawling and I can't. I can't talk for 30 minutes without like, I can't get it out. And, and so I'm trying to explain it to her. It takes me 30 minutes to even stop crying to tell her what happened. And, and so, you know, for, from that time on, I slept for two weeks, like barely, I can barely be remember being awake for two weeks after that, because what people don't realize is when you, when your body doesn't get oxygen um, for 20 minutes and they're just, you know, they're, you're in shock. Like, you know, when, when they keep the blood circulating into the brain and then, you know, the, they're compressing the heart and oxygenating the blood, your body goes into shock to get the, the, um, everything to the heart and the, and the brain. So the rest of your body is in, you know, it's, it's hyperbaric. It, it's not getting what it needs. So what happened was, um, my cells were wrecked. I mean, I was, my body needed to heal. The whole body needed to heal. So I just slept. I wasn't taking any drugs. You know, I had to sleep like at a 45 degree angle because it was my nose that they've been operating on from, uh, when I went through plate glass. I got a lot of scars. But anyways, um, for the hours I would wake up, I would wake up in worship. Like it was the weirdest. I had been filled with the Holy Spirit before, but it was like what I, what I told Andrea that day is she was like, well, what happened? Like what the thing that hit her was when we were in that bed, I said to her, I went there, I was with him and stuff that was broken isn't broken anymore. And that, that hit her really hard. Cause she knows how jacked up I am. She knew what I grew up with. And I said to her, it's just stuff has been fixed. I don't, I don't know how to, how to put it. And so, uh, but over the next few months, really, I mean, like I would read A.W. Tozer, Pursuit of God, and I couldn't read more than a page without just breaking down and weeping. Like it was such a powerful experience. Um, I, I couldn't there was just a different dynamic and I was in this constant state of being filled with the Holy spirit. So it wasn't an emotional experience. It wasn't a, 
it was literally like I had had something happen to me spiritually. And like I said, I had been baptized with the Spirit before. I had been filled with the Spirit multiple times. This was in Pillar Community Church. Things were rad at Pillar. But there was this new um, dynamic. I don't know how to put it. Um, and I don't even fully understand. Colleen Paul says, like, I, I started reading Revelation to try to understand what had just happened to me. And parts of Revelation didn't make sense to me before it started making sense. And not, not to get weird and mystical, it's the opposite. I did not have the weird, and I saw grandpa and grandma and the, you know, heaven is for real stuff. There's nothing like that. It was, it was so down to earth that most of my reform buddies are like, thank you for sharing that with me. It's the most sane account of that I've ever heard. And I, I was not allowed to bring visual memories back. But, but anyways, all that to say, at that point, when I had gotten to the point where I started to wonder, God, will I ever seek you the same again? There was something that happened. Now, I will tell you that I have always been on this experimental journey with prayer. Everything from reading Bible in a year to trying to, to pray for an hour a day to having prayer meetings at 6 a.m. I've tried it all. I read the volumes of prayer by Ian Bounds cover to cover, all eight volumes um, in like a six-month time span. Um, I've tried everything. And what I've learned about prayer is the important thing is just to turn up and pray. There's no real secret to it. Just turn up. And there are times where I sit in God's presence and nothing happens. And I'm a wreck. And I don't feel much. And then there's other days I'm like, there is nothing better. And this could be like the first times on a Monday, what I just described, but nothing and then the next day, complete fireworks. And I don't want to leave here and do anything else today. And those days can be back to back. And what I've learned over the years is not to take myself too seriously. Not to worry about it. Jesus isn't worried about it. Jesus isn't up there going, Peyton, that was a D today. You know, I'm, I'm, it's like praying with the stars. And uh, I'm looking at how you prayed today. And you read a little Ian Bounds, but you couldn't keep up with him. You know, I give you a 2.0. Um, I don't think you're going to go on to the next round, Peyton. It's not like that. What I think with Jesus is times where I can just sit there quiet. I'm just turned up and I'm just there with him. And it's like, hey, God, um, here's the wreck I am and everything that comes with it. And look at me. What a wreck I am. And here I was preaching on this and that last week. And I, I could barely even pray today. And you know what it does for me? It brings me back to A, that I'm completely and totally accepted by Jesus no matter what. And number two, it brings me back to that place of humility, like Paul said, where he just goes, hey, keep me from being puffed up. Can you imagine if I was always like, man, my prayer life, it's a 10. It's, hey, it's like Spinal Tap. It goes up to 11. (laughs) I got the amp that goes up to 11. No one else has an amp that goes up to 11. Yes, but this one goes to 11. My walk goes to 11. Can you imagine that? I'd be the biggest raging jerk hole that Christianity had ever seen. I need that struggle. I need those times where it's like, well, Lord, wasn't much impressive in, in, in the old cupboard today. It was like Mother Hubbard. You know, a, a few cobwebs in there at best. And I need those times because it reminds me who my Savior is. It reminds me 
who I need. And even that, even those are sweet times. I, I have a feeling when we get to heaven, one day Jesus is going to look back at those times and go, hey, remember that time where you just showed up and you were so discouraged and you could barely put two thoughts together, you know, and you just felt like, what a joke. What am I even doing in ministry? I think Jesus is going to remind us of the, the parable of the tax collector and the center or the Pharisee and the, and the tax collector. He's going to be like, you know what? I was, I was, I was hearing from you. Like you have no idea. This is what I heard in that time. Right. And I think the most beautiful prayers in the world he's going to have heard during that time. He's going to have heard longing in our hearts. He's going to have heard dependence on him. He's going to things that we couldn't fathom. We couldn't hear. Sorry. I'm going on a ranty rant. No, it's all right, man. I've actually enjoyed hearing it. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I just think all those times where even the, the, the tax collector just goes, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that's all he can say repeatedly. You know, and uh, his head down, you know, feeling discouraged, feeling ashamed, feeling embarrassed to even be there. And Jesus just goes, I heard that dude. I heard that guy. And there's that verse in Romans 8 where um, he says, you know, um, in the times where we don't know how to pray. I love that. He says the spirit himself groans within us with words that cannot be uttered. And that's, that's kind of my confidence of what I just said on that verse is I believe at that time, the Holy Spirit's like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to play something. You know how like there's like so- sounds you can play on a, on a dog whistle and people can't hear it, but all the dogs start going, roar, 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 and start, you know, it's like that. I'm sure it's like we're not hearing what he can hear during that time, you know? Interesting. So yeah, man, I get it. I do, and I don't know. There's a lot in what you just said. I mean, there's there's so much. I almost don't want to comment on it because it's like I don't even know how to unpack that. You just kind of have to like just kind of marinate in what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, and it's funny because there were there are times where you know, like, and I think that's the number one thing, like. One of the things that Mac Lake said once that really got me, um, and I needed to hear it right at that moment, was Mac had said um, that he was really going for it. I mean, he was really trying. And he had a mentor who was like an old a counselor. And Mac used to go to this guy for counseling. And he was a charismatic counselor. It's funny. The ministers I really respect, all of us go to counseling. You know, on a regular. So, like, I go to a marriage counselor right now. And, and the thing that I always look for and a counselor, and I might sometimes go see him by myself. Thing I always look for, I and this is what you, Mac described. I could have told you you needed counseling, man. <laughs> well, it's funny, man, because in Wales I had this guy who was amazing, right? And and every counselor I've ever been to, where I'm like, dude, like I need to come talk to you. They're an ex-minister. They're a licensed, either psychologist or therapist. Like they've got the degree and the license. And number three, they're charismatic, right? They believe in the Holy Spirit. And when I go to that combination right there, it's kind of like when Jesus said, you know, uh, when it, when a scribe, um, you know, teaches on the things of the kingdom, it's like a man bringing treasures old and new. There's this combination. Um, and, and so anyways, uh, so Mac had a very almost identical kind of guy where he was, 
licensed ex-minister and charismatic. And Mac was sharing that this dude shared with him, you know, Mac, where's your walk with God at? And the guy um, told Mac after Mac said, well, you know, I try and this and that. And and the guy said, well, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to pray anymore. This is what I want you to do. I want you to turn up for five minutes um, for the next, you know, couple months. I just want you to, for five minutes, meditate on how much God loves you. So all I want you to do, I don't want you even to say anything to him. I just want you to turn up and for five minutes, know how much God loves you and just think about that. You know, tell yourself all the things that God says that makes him crazy about you. And he goes, and just do that. And Mac was like, I did that and it revolutionized my spiritual walk. Um, one of, one of the things I just had a guy this weekend who's a, an old friend and we used to always get together and talk about his marriage. And he just, they couldn't seem to get out of this box. And I told him once, I said, look, um, I know I tell this to you all the time. But if, if you don't do this one thing, nothing's ever going to change. And I said, here's the one thing you need to do. And I'm going to make it really easy for you. I'd always tell him, you need to pray with your wife. And again, sometimes it could just be these little things that make a huge difference that, cause you know, it's Jesus isn't going for like distance. He's not like, Hey, you know, did, did you spend an hour with me? Like, I don't think he cares if it's five minutes or an hour. I really don't. Because I think if it's an hour that you're just there because you feel you got to be, it's kind of like going out with your wife like, hey, honey, um, you know, uh, I got two hours to be with you. And versus if you spent 15 minutes quality time and your wife just felt cherished and loved and you rubbed her back and, you know, whispered in her ear how beautiful she was. Like, it's a totally different deal. And and so the same with the Lord. And, and I remember... um I said to this guy, I said, hey, I don't think it matters how long you do it. And he's like, yeah, but I'm not going to. I said, look, this is all I want you to do. I just want you every night before you go to bed, I want you to read a psalm, go in order, read a psalm, ask your wife one question. What sticks out to you from that? And then when she starts talking, say, how can I pray for you? And just this weekend, he was like, brother. He saw me and he's like, I just want to give you a big hug. He goes, you told me for years. And he goes, I finally started doing it about a year ago. He's like, it is revolutionized our entire marriage. And he was just, it was joy. It was, hmm. you know, and, and, and he's like, I was too arrogant. I, I kept not doing it. I, I, I thought it can't be that simple. And often with the Lord in spiritual matters, it is that simple. You know, it's really simple stuff. And if you think about it, Jesus didn't make walking with him tough. You know, he made it super simple. And uh, he even says, I'll do the heavy lifting. You know, take my yoke upon you. Uh, my burden is, is, is easy and my yoke is light. And he says, um, for, because I am humble and meek in spirit. I love that. He goes, take your yoke upon me. I'm, I'm humble and meek in spirit. I'll even, I'll make this easy on you. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm easy. You know, and, and I just love that. But the, the deal is, anyways, I've done everything from go out in the woods with a prayer and a notebook and a Bible because I felt God draw me to that. Um, I've, I've had times where I just say, I'm just going to have five minutes of good quality time. And this was, I, I used to run the marathon, man. I used to be like, 
hey, I'm going to read this many chapters a day. I'm going to now I have a more freewheeling kind of approach where I'm I might just pick up Hosea and start reading Hosea. And it might take me two weeks to get through Hosea, might take me two days. And I don't worry about it. It's just kind of like I just I walk with God when I'm reading that and talk to him about it. Um, just Saturday, I was getting ready to speak at a, at a men's conference. And I got into the passage I was supposed to preach on, but I always want to know the context. So I read the passage before. And it was maybe 10 verses, and I swear to you, it was like, when I was just trying to get the context, it was like the Lord met me in those verses. And it was just like, hey, I got to talk to you. And it was like, they went like a bullet straight into my heart. And so I, you know, it's a mystery, man. I, I don't have any real things other than just, you know, like I said, the most important thing I've learned about walking with Jesus is just turn up, hmm. just turn up. That's it. You know, don't worry about <laughs> you know, how good it goes. My mentor, who is the most spirit empowered preacher I've ever met, um, used to, to bring so many people to Christ and you would hear him preach. And I remember asking him, I did this incredible interview. If you go on PeytonJones.ninja and you look at, um, I have a, it's probably from about a month ago, a blog where I talk about my mentor going to heaven. And um, I remember interviewing him about six years ago, right before I left Wales. We did about an hour and a half long interview where I wanted to know, because he had experienced like a local revival. I wanted to know, like, just pick his brain and put it on, on tape. And he just said during that, he said, you know, um, I asked him, what's the one thing you would change? And he goes, you know, I've never been very good at prayer. (laughs) And if you knew him and you knew the power with which he could preach, and it was spiritual power, you realize that this was a guy that God was keeping humble. He wanted to walk with God deeper than he did, but he was a humble dude, and the power of Christ rested upon him in his weakness. And... uh and so that, that's, that's the number one thing, I think, to, to, to maintaining your own spiritual walk. Sure, you'll have dates with God. You'll, you'll mix it up. You, you know, like I said, you'll grab a backpack and a bottle of water and a Bible and a notebook and you'll go out in the woods. You might rent a cabin for a weekend and get out there with God. You might go on a retreat. Um, but you know, there's a couple things you need as well. You need to be reading the word. You need to be praying. Those things will never go away. God will meet you in those places. Number two, you need someone to look after you. You need people that are going to ask you how you're doing. You need people that are going to do soul care for you. And that's why I go to a counselor. Because if I'm in ministry with people, I don't want anyone kissing my butt. Um, and let's face it, my counseling to you is suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> yeah, get over it. You know, I've had, it's funny, I, in Church Zero, I mentioned a guy named Jeff that I served with, a guy that was yeah. the prophetic leader. And what was rad about Jeff is he was a suck it up buttercup kind of guy. Oh, He really? was. Like, uh, yeah, because I would, on Mondays, we would meet and we would pray and talk. And I could get myself very much in a neurotic state. Um, neurotic. Notice I said neuroses, not erotic. Um, neurotic state. Because, you know, there would be like, I would wake up Monday 
and I would just feel like I'd feel like a train ro- ran me over for one. Number two, I'd feel like that's when the enemy would come in. The enemy would come in with all of his lies and all of his attacks. It didn't matter. People got saved. And Mondays were hard for me. I would wake up that next morning horrified by what I said in the pulpit. I'd wake up the next morning and be like, you didn't glorify Jesus enough yesterday. You were lifting yourself, but you weren't lifting him up. And it would just be like, you know, the enemy just had me up against a wall, punching me in the kidney stars, peeing blood kind of thing. And I would talk to Jeff, and I'd just be like, oh, man. I And Jeff would just be like, well, hey, it's done. It's over. Let's go. And it's what I needed. Hmm. You know, I needed a suck it up buttercup. I didn't need anyone to coddle me. And he was he was kind of like a 1950s man. You know, he was kind of like, yeah, hey, you know, it's tough. That's the brakes. Do better next time. And uh, so if I was sharing those kind of I just learned, man, just take that stuff to Jesus. And finally, I figured out most of this stuff is a spiritual attack anyways. So. You're right, Chewbacca. You know, did you hear him say that? He was saying, hey, it's about time that uh, we need to talk about what if you're so busy looking after your own spiritual life, Pete, and running your ministry that you don't have time to do all the accounting in your church. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Here we go. What? <laughs> Well, my friend, what I would say to that is that uh, you need SimplifyChurch.com. Simplify Church will simplify all of your church accounting needs, including keeping you IRS compatible, donor tracking, compatible? and the end of your How about tax compliant? Huh? How about IRS compliant? What I, don't, I, I don't want to be compatible with the IRS. Believe me, I am not incompatible. I am, I am incompatible with the IRS, but I am yeah, compliant yeah. with the IRS. Yeah, hey, you know, matchmaking at its best. <laughs> Would you like to find out if the IRS make a good partner? No, uh, sorry, this is afternoon podcast. This is what happens afternoon podcast. So we get it all wrong. So, Pete, how can they click into simplifychurch.com and get that church planner rate? Well, I believe that they can head on over to church. No, no, simplifychurch.com. <laughs> how many years have we had them as a sponsor and I can't even get their... URL correct. Head on over to simplifychurch.com. Uh, reach out to Josh Henry and say, hey, Pete and Peyton sent me over here. I want to talk. And they'll charge you double. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, not, not even close. No, no. But uh, yeah, that's what you do. Head on over to simplifychurch.com. All right, guys. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. This has been the Church Planner Podcast with Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. I'm not only the heck of president, I'm also a client. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine. 
which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplantermagazine.com. 